America, my name is Amiose Frimpong. I come to you live every Friday at 4 o'clock. I'm going to do two shows today, one now and then one in a few hours uh, on something completely different. But today we're going to talk about the Olympics. And you're going to get my definitive rundown. You know, as a young boy growing up in Los Angeles, I was about three miles away from the 84 Olympics. It's in Baldwin Hills. Um, and... I just I remember watching it on television as a as a as a young kid with the family, and Rafa Johnson, um, you know, climbing those steps still kind of seared a memory in uh, in me in a, in a powerful way, and you know I just went and watched it again on YouTube, uh, him climbing the steps in the run up and getting the torch and lighting it in Los Angeles in '84, and I'll be honest, I teared up a little bit. I was like, go on ahead, black man, climbing up. Uh, he was doing it. And so I, I'm a fan of the Olympics. I believe in the Olympics. I'm, I'm also a fan of nations. People always say, how can you be a good leftist and be such a fan of nations? I'm a huge fan of nations because I believe that they are institutions of freedom. I like borders. I like nations. I think each nation should have its character decided by its people. And, and uh, yeah, so uh, I, like, I like the Olympics. I'm a fan. I, I think the Olympics should go on. And also, I remember there are probably two. I don't remember... I watched Barcelona and Seoul and all that, but but I remember uh, the 96 Olympics also because all the Olympians were pretty much my age. I was 18 at the time. So I watched 96 and 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 I just remember, well, I remember Shannon Miller and, and Dominique Dawes because they were very cute. And I was just thinking we would all get along very well. And... Uh, I I'm a, I I like the sports. I all the swimmers remind me of the guys I went to high school with. I went to high school in uh, in Orange County, California, and with a few Olympians actually. And you know, I they, like they just kind of. I look at Aaron Pearsall and I was like, ah, oh, this, or uh, 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 yeah, all of those guys, Brendan Hansen and and Kratzenberg. So like all like all of those guys kind of just remind me of guys I went to high school with. The, the genial ones, right? Um, and swimmers are funny. And this is what I learned going to high school with a bunch of would-be Olympic athletes or soon-to-be Olympic athletes or in the kind of scene that produces the occasional Olympic athlete is that they have morning practices. The swimmers would have morning practices and the and afternoon practices, and that was just part of what it was to be a competitive club swimmer, right? And so it actually, being exposed to that just saw exposed me not just to the swimmers like themselves as people during the daytime but listening to them talk about their morning practice and how ritualized it was uh, th th cued me into the institutions that go into making an olympian they don't just come randomly and and, and you need institutions and infrastructures and parents who are involved and so before, um, you'll get my total tokyo rundown here i want to say that if you notice a few things about the Olympics this year. There were more women competing than men in, for the U.S. squad. We had the most amount of uh, competitors overall, but there were more women competing than men in the U.S. squad. And I thought that was interesting. And I think that's, there are reasons why that's perfectly appropriate. And in general, we got to, I want to know about the fathers of those women, right? So. I want to know about the fathers of those women because there are a lot of father coaches that go into uh, the, creating an Olympian. It's not just sending them off to a special coach. Yeah, and we have a lot of second-generation Olympians. Not just Noah Lyles, but um, uh, second-generation uh, Olympic trials. Their father was at the Olympic trials and their mother ran at uh, you know, Louisiana State or whatever. And so they produced an Olympian. I'm thinking about Cindy McLaughlin who is uh, probably one of, I thought, participated in one of the more enjoyable uh, Olympic spectacles this, this year for me, which was the 4x4 women's one, uh, 4x4 relay. Uh, Cindy McLaughlin's a hurdler. Her dad was at the Olympic trials. And when your dad's at the Olympic trials, that means he has very serious ideas about what it goes, like what it takes to be a hurdler. And he's going to give you the perfect technique and he's going to invest that in you if he's a dad who knows what he's doing. And you're going to end up being a Sidney McLaughlin, possibly. Now, Sidney McLaughlin also has brothers who weren't at the Olympics. So what does that mean about 
what the relationship between fathers and daughters and athletes in this current generation. Um, I think it's, it's an interesting time. It's an interesting time. So I think the role of the black male athlete might be to learn enough to be the coach of a elite uh, female athlete. And that might be, and that, and that might be appropriate. That's a fine, dignified uh, job. <laughs> uh, because I'm, I'm, my cousin also played for the women's national team soccer, in soccer. And, you know, my, uh, that was from my Ghanaian side. And uh, he moved here with my dad. My uncle moved here with my dad. And, yeah, my cousin played for the U.S. women's national team. And my uncle pretty much like taught her how to play soccer and worked with her and got her like he was the coach for all the teams and all of that stuff and took it very seriously and created an elite soccer player and that's like within like a network or institution of uh uh christina joe frimpong christina frimpong or christina ellertson is her is her name now but yeah but she also has a twin sister crystal who's a, a top flight division one soccer player who was a top flight division one soccer player um at florida the university, yeah, Florida. So uh, there's a way in which you have to look at maybe your role as um, a male athlete now is father is to raise and coach uh, elite women, which I have daughters now, and I yeah I take my role as a father very seriously. I've, I, like I said, I look up to people like. Uh, Joe Jackson and uh, Richard Williams. People, you want to denigrate them, but you know, black fatherhood is a lot. And if you don't take it as a lot, then your kid will get eaten. And my kids aren't getting eaten. Um, so, and and so I I I'm, I'm pretty hard on my kids, but I think that you know it's going to be worth it. And not so much in sports. For me, it's more music and school, but I just appreciate the ethic of like, this is serious business. This is the job. <laughs> My job, in addition to giving you the quality of wisdom that will allow you to not squander your life, my real job is raising my, my kids. Um, and that's gonna take, that takes everything I have, like all of my mental, all of my mental power and like insight goes into raising, their ki raising my kids, two daughters and a, and a son. And honestly, the son's going to be the hardest one. The son's four years old, so like, so far it's good. But just strategizing for this for the son is actually harder because um, I know how punishing it, the world is on black men, and uh, I want yeah, it's just it's it's just going to be harder for a few different reasons. But if you raise if I if I raise my daughter like uh, Archie Manning raised his sons. My daughters, I think, like, will do just fine for the world, um, and 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 that's uh, that's good. And so, when I look at the Olympics, I just see I see what institutional support looks like, and then once again, how it's gendered, and what does it mean that there are so many that that women did that U.S. women did so much better than the men who are just kind of like you know kind of forgettable for the most part. Um, so, let's just go by sports, right? So swimming. Thought the swimmers were boring. I like Lily King. I think Lily King is fascinating. I thought she was more fascinating in 2016 when she had a little bit more attitude. Um, it came out a little bit when she got a silver medal and, and then got like jeers for getting a silver medal. She's like, what, you guys only respect gold? You're trash. So Lily King is my favorite swimmer. Um, she was my favorite swimmer back in 2016 too. She's just kind of like, uh, she's raw in a way. She's like Charles Barkley in the pool. I... Uh, I was worried because it looked like at the beginning, before she got silver and was pissed, she'd gotten media training, so it kind of taken her edge off. But um, once she got silver and uh, and started getting dogged about it, and she like lashed back, I was like, my girl's still there. Um, so I, I like Lily King in the pool. I, you know, the top name Ryan Murphy and Caleb Dresser, I found them a little bit boring. Maybe. You know, 10 years ago, I would have found them charming old fish white guys, but like now I just found them boring. And, uh, you know, swimming was fine. I, I enjoyed watching swimming. My favorite, one of my favorite Olympic moments is in 2008, watching Jason Lezak in the 4x100 
um, come back and just chase him down. I actually, I, Lizak's about my age. And so I know someone who went to college with him says he's a sweet guy and this nicest cat in the world. And I, I believe it too. And I just think that, um, Jason Lezak, as a professional whiz, uh, relay swimmer, he was uh, tagged, uh, really um, showed himself of what, what it means to be a relay specialist, right? So uh, they thought it was a disparagement to say, well, you're just a relay swimmer. But it turns out that when you needed a relay swimmer to do uh, something special, he did what only he could do and won that four by Four, uh, 4 by 100 in 2008. If you remember 2008, the 4 by 100, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, for me, it's up there with like Kurt Gibson's home run. And I'm from LA. Kurt Gibson's home run in 88. It was a very, it was a wonderful sports moment. And even better than Kerry uh, Strug landing the, the one legged vault in 96. Although we'll get to that when I talk about women's gymnastics. So. I enjoyed Lily King in the pool. Didn't really enjoy it. I thought everyone else, they kind of lost the swagger of, the oafish swagger of a Gary Hall Jr. Or uh, 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 even Jason Lezak or Pearsall or Brendan Hansen or some of those guys. Ryan Lockie. I mean, that that guy might be on a little bit too oafish. <laughs> the oafish for the, on the on the scale of oafish swagger, but for the most part, I don't I didn't mind those guys too much, um, uh, and I think the guys who are in the pool first. And I never really liked Michael Phelps. I thought he was fine. I just thought he was boring. Um, so now that was run down on on swimming. Yay! Oh, Katie Ledecky, I'm kind of impressed with her. I think she's kind of. Uh, kind of a low-key badass she kind of has like a low-key kind of vibe to her but the heart of a killer in a way but like not bad just quiet intensity that i appreciate so katie ledecky best swimmer in the history of the world <laughs> and uh it turns out she's actually I, I strongly suspect an enormous badass just in a way that is charming I mean, I'm sure Natalie Coughlin's that way too, but like, uh, so that is swimming. Now we'll go to, I'll just go to women's gymnastics. That's fine. Like I said, I went to the, I remember Mary Lou Retton in 84 and, and, but mostly like the most memorable women's gymnastics team was, you know, the 96 team with Shannon Miller and Dominique Dawes, who we didn't date, but I think we should have. Um, I, I think, you know, at least one of us would have been very happy with that relationship. Oh, um, as, 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 as brief as it might have been. Um, so I, you know, one thing about women's gymnastics in the United States is that you, you can't really talk about that time. You have to remember that this is Bella Caroli's era, Bella and Marta Caroli's era. And we kind of, knew he had dictatorial reign over the team but we didn't know what he was licensing and what that kind of authority and unaccountable power and unaccountable power meant and so it turned out he was running like you know a rape factory or just like yeah so that's so everything has to be kind of with an asterisk on that time uh sexual molestation um that was unfortunately normalized under Nasser. So everything has to be um, seen as an asterisk. But let's actually talk about, let's talk about kind of Bella's reign of terror in women's gymnastic during that time. And I actually, I thought it was amusing at the time because I read an article about uh, the women, the selection for the women's gymnastics team. They'd have like meets and then like committee meetings about meets and then committee meetings about the committee meetings about meets and have votes and then have revotes and appeals processes. But all of that was BS because at the last minute, Bella would storm open the door, walk open, say, you, 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 and you get your bags. We're going to the ranch and that would be the U.S. women's team. And I thought that was kind of amusing because it kind of showed uh, faux, demo- uh, faux demo- democratic procedures. I remember reading this in, I think, 2004. And, uh, and just thought, like, yeah, that's how it works because we like to pretend that these meetings and votes matters. But at the end, it's Bella picks the six people he likes and that's just the way it's going to be. And everyone's like, okay, Bella. 
And, uh, and Marta gathers them and they go to the ranch and they become Olympic champions. And, uh, and so that era is ended, but, uh, I, we kind of always knew that there was something kind of fishy about the way Bella ran business. All right, so with this team, Jade Carey is another one. The gold medalist in the floor is another one coached by her dad. Her dad got, you know, wasn't her actual coach. So um, he got to go down and be in the – he got to be on the floor with her while she was being awesome, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate, and I appreciate the fact that, like, yeah, the dad was a coach and he was there and he was with her and doing his job and she was doing their job and they had a wonderful moment. I don't think you have too many Olympic athletes. I, I think I would like to, I would read a book about Olympic athletes and their dads. I think that would be fascinating. I think it would be also be very good and very telling and a little bit horrifying for people with a soft stomach. I, who does not have a soft stomach, would be like, yep, got her up, <laughs> made her do it. And, uh, yeah, some would call it abuse, but, you know, it's, it's because the dad knew what the dad knew what had to be done in order to get from point A to point B. And, you know, I'll talk about this next. And after there's all this research that says, like, you know, all of the things we hate about womanhood, especially white womanhood, is, like, drastically reduced if your daughter, like, plays competitive sports. Because that distribution of risk and work gets um, gets uh, disrupted. So, you want to make better white people, you know, get especially white women, get them in sports. White men, maybe get them in theater. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, and then I did a, another video about Simone Biles. So, if you want to see what I thought about Simone Biles, you can go watch that video. Pretty much when she pulls out of the team uh, competition, that's really none of our business. But it's, she is accountable to somebody. She's accountable to the other people on the team. So if the other people on the team say, like, you got to do what you got to do, then she should feel in no way uh, bad about doing what she has to do. Plus, what she's doing is very dangerous. So, like, and the rest of the team was like, yeah, you don't compete. Um, we, we got this. And they did. So um, I'm very happy that uh, that all worked out. It's none of our business. The only person's business it is is the team. Not even U.S. Gymnastic Administration because they're a bunch of like pederasts or 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 people who have lost their moral authority. Um. So, yeah, Simone Biles did exactly what she was supposed to do. I'm supportive of that. Suni Lee, I saw a show kind of profiling for gymnasts. And one of them was Suni Lee, and she is self-possessed. She knows who the fuck she is, and I appreciate that. And she's not like playing Demir Coy or anything like that. She's just she stands up straight. She knows who she is. She knows what she's about. She's about these damn uneven bars. This is my game. Um, she knows who she is. She's and she knows, and she's not afraid to back down about it. This is why, like, I I think, I think a lot of things, but this is why it's good. Suni Lee, I like. She's awesome. She's 18 years old. I love self-possessed teenagers. Like, self-possessed teenage women. Like, I have zero problems with that. I have zero problems. Just like, yeah, she knows, what, she, knows, she knows her job. She knows what she's good at. She knows what it takes to get from here to flip all the way around there and, and land and stick the landing. And she, uh, she knows who she is. At 18, I, I, I find... I'm very impressed with her. She might be a little bit shy in the meeting, but like you get her in a relaxed interview, she has all of the self-possession that you want in. I want in my daughters, and I suspect you want in your daughters. So Suni Lee, huge fan. Knows who she is, what she's about. Um, yes, I like Grayson McCallum too. I thought, I, I thought in general, the and Jordan Childs. Jordan Childs, I like Jordan Childs. I, I, I look forward to seeing Jordan Childs um, uh, in the future. She like has that kind of a, a, a looseness, but still like she's a killer. You got to be a killer at that. At that at, like, 
at, at that level. So uh, she is just just good, 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 solid people. Once again, I strongly suspect uh, would like to see her parents. <laughs> I, uh, what does it take to raise a Jordan Childs? Because she has, also has a good head on her shoulders, Jordan Childs for uh, you know, Oregon State, Oregon, Oregon Senator. I think she's from Oregon. She might not be from Oregon. But if she is from Oregon, Jordan Childs from uh, Washington, maybe. can't remember. Uh, but she should be our U.S. Senator in 20 years. Uh, I would support that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so that's my feeling about the U.S. women's team. I'm glad everyone did their job. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, it's very dangerous. My friend, I had a friend who is a vault uh, who, who did gymnastics at Cal, and she said what's actually terrifying is the vault. It's not the balance beam, it's the vault. You're just hurtling towards this thing that is unforgiving, and you're just, like, it's just terrifying. Everything about the apparatus is much scarier than you think it is. And I uh, believe it. <laughs> I believe it because my friend's not a liar. And, and so I have a lot of respect for the women's gymnastics team. Now, women's sports in general, let's talk a little bit about Title IX because here's the deal. you need 65 players to field a competitive football team. Title IX equalizes scholarships. That means you need to create 65 women's scholarships, but there isn't an equivalent in football, so you have to kind of spread the fo scholarships around or create new sports to create scholarships for. And so that creates a kind of a beacon. The college scholarship becomes the kind of governing principle and organizing principle for all of these other leagues um, in, suburban, in, in suburban United States, right? So you have all of these families who think, well, if my daughter's real good, she'll get a college scholarship. And then she gets a college scholarship. But, and then so I'll spend the money for her being real good because sports are good for her development anyway. And uh, she'll get a college scholarship. And that way um, it'll be worth it. I'll spend the money in her developmental league and it'll pay off in college, right? And then, so you get these really good development leagues. So we, even the kids who don't get, aren't going for the college scholarship through the development league will get the benefit of playing in these really highly developed benefit like leagues who's, that are funded by people who's had their eye on their kids getting a college scholarship. And I think all of this is great for, for women, but, but because there's an independent benefit for playing sports, we need like, it's good for kids to play competitive sports, and especially good for, for, for women, I think, to play competitive sports. It's good for men, too, but um, it's, I think it's acknowledged as good for men. It's not necessarily acknowledged for good, as good for women, but I think you'll raise deficient women who, uh, if they didn't play sports. I'll be honest, for a while, I didn't date anybody who wasn't a serious athlete or a uh, serious musician, classical musician, a little bit of that is because of a snob, and a little bit of that is because, you know, if you're not a serious musician or if you're not a serious athlete, I don't know how much I can depend on you when things get hard. You, where did you learn how to do hard things? Because a lot of people don't know how to do hard things. And life with me is going to entail talking about and doing hard things. So I was always a little bit suspicious of, of, of getting close with people who didn't understand who never played serious sports or uh, did like classical music uh at, at any level that's it, it's it's me i know um but them is the breaks so uh i i'm a fan of the youth leagues but this but the suburbanization of youth leagues actually locks out one a lot of sports talent which isn't particularly good on the women's side but it also like ends up being a weird racialized distribution of of labor and wealth and so far as you got a lot of black bodies playing football getting hurt they're doing so on scholarship but you know um to create then scholarships for a lot of white women playing less physically dangerous sports it's not that you know uh women don't get hurt during uh um playing you know field hockey but it's not like football <laughs> right 
So if I'm breaking my hip in football so that you can uh, hurt yourself in field hockey, that's going to be a completely different thing. Uh, and and so we need to talk about not like how and then if it's disproportionately black people playing football and funding disproportionately white scholarships that uh, scholarships for white girls. That's that's going to be like I said a racialized distribution of pain and uh, labor and wealth that I think needs to be addressed. Right. So I I think. So what happens is you need 65 scholarships for a football team because nobody's going to break their knee for and pay tuition, pay tuition to go break their knee. That's going to be a hard thing. To, it's going to be a hard sell, right? So, yeah. um, so you need 65 scholarships for a football team. You need uh, high quality um, uh, workout equipment and resources. But then those resources get generalized as for men insofar as they do. So if you have all of these high-quality resources and locker rooms for men, that means you need to create, this is through Title IX, you need to create the equivalent for women. Um, and so just a lot of people eat off of black pain. And this might be another example of it. It's great for women, not so great yet for the black men who don't make it to the NFL, which is most of the black men. And even the black men who do make it to the NFL, they should still get a better gig. Um, with more security knowing that they played college football than a, just a, a scholarship. Right? So there's a, a distribution of resources. If we just acknowledge that sports are good for the nation, then we could just tax Bezos and just pay for it outright. Like every every one of these programs gets federal federal funding, but if we might, we probably shouldn't tie that federal funding to your ability to distribute black pain to <laughs> to, to, to to white suburbanites. And also, the suburbanization of sports, women's sports, isn't particularly good for the women's sports. This is my problem with the women's national team. And I'm going to talk a little bit about soccer now because I. You know, I, I pay attention to soccer. And my, like I said, my cousin played on the women's national team 10 years ago. And uh, I'll tell you that we do not put the best uh, talent on the field. The best talent either stays under de undeveloped or isn't marketable. If it were me, and I said this before the games when I saw the roster, I said, why do you have, like, you need Julie Ertz because she's the complete player. She can do everything on the field. She can pass better. Solid defensive stops. She moves pretty good, can crash the net, and she does everything you want. So you need Julie Ertz. You need Crystal Dunn because she's amazing and exciting. And her first touch is just rock solid, and she's a dynamo. And like you need Crystal Dunn, and you need Rose. <laughs> Rose. How um, I'm blanking on Rose's last name. Rose Soccer. Rose Lavelle. Rose Lavelle. You need Rose Lavelle because why do you need Rose Lavelle? Here's the deal. There are some players who are like will beat you one on one, and then there are some players who will just like beat your whole team, and you don't know exactly how that happened. Tobin Heath will beat you one on one, but you could you could plan against that. I, I'm not, I was a Tobin Heath fan like 10 years ago when I thought she was promised, but then it became pretty clear that she was not going to be the player that everyone like that, that was promised. And I kind of wandered her off the national team a long time ago. Rose Lavelle, on the other hand, she is really creative and a little bit, she's a coach's nightmare because it's not that she'll beat you one-on-one. -on -one. She might beat you one-on-one. -on -one. She probably will beat you one-on-one. -on -one. She's very good, but she'll screw up your whole defensive scheme like, as they try to figure out what she's doing. She's just confusing. I'm trying to figure out, um, there's some point guards like that. I want to say maybe Chris Paul. Like, there are some point guards who are just so a little bit too creative. Kyrie Irving. There's a, who are a little bit too creative that even if they, they just, they, they, they're confusing. They're confusing. And so Rose will, like, just screw up all of your spacing. And so you chase her, and then what happens is you're out of place, and she'll go somewhere and draw like three people out of place, and nobody will know what will happen. That's because you chase her, and you lay off of her, and she'll like, like 
coil up her all 115 pounds or however much she is and like like fire a bullet from 20 yards in right into the upper v so like it's a um, so like you you can't go after her and you can't give her space either and she's just problematic she can't pass for a damn which is a problem <laughs> but she is highly problematic for defenses so i think the u.s national team needs a rose lavelle needs a julie Ertz, and needs crystal dunn um because crystal dunn julie Ertz can do everything do everything will always be in the right place and direct other people in the right place and um uh doesn't need i and, and crystal dunn just too solid of a play and too fast up the wing she's like a dream of wing like she's she's great i would play her i would play her as forward or or, or wing she i just think she's she's just too solid to play her first touch is too good she's too good on the ball and she's too smart about the game right so you need those three players the rest of them i don't know why they're on the team uh kristen press i i i, I why can't we just admit that she's a bust all of i don't understand why the u.s national the women's national team doesn't produce goal scorers i that's i think it's just the the ponytail brigade and i'd say that just because hope solo said that in a very good piece in the guardian about like why the u.s national team is so white so uh kristen press who's actually half black but i think she's she's a whore like she she's good uh fast break so uh, the, the 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 typical kristen press highlight is that uh, she'll get the ball or win a 50-50 ball and get some space between her and her defender. She's got pretty good wheels. So and she, <laughs> she uses her elbows. She's another one who's like 100 pounds. But she uses her elbows like a champ. So she runs like this and does it pretty fast. So she'll get some space, uh, drive, and then fire it right at the goalie. The goalie will block it and be like, oh. Um, and Press will be like, oh, well, I almost had it. And but it'll happen so often that she just her awareness, her spatial awareness of the game is just bad. She needs to pick her head up and like I don't know why nobody's talked to her about this, um, but it's been a thing for like years that uh, in the clutch she uh, like she misfires. She she misfires. She gets too excited or something. That's the opposite of Sydney Larue, who I never really appreciated her kind of. Um, the her game until i realized that every shot she made she went in and i just realized oh she just knows how to make shots <laughs> like she has so much poise that if you give her time and space she'll give you a goal like and not just the obvious ones like alex morgan does well alex morgan's complicated because i don't like her game but she does score goals so like i i, I can't say that she's a waste but i i wouldn't want her on my team but i understand why the u.s national team wanted her on on their team but I, 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 I don't like the way she plays soccer. Uh, I'm just not a huge fan. I, I'm not a huge, I'm not impressed by the way Alex Morgan plays soccer. But Cindy LaRue was creative in the way she just created goals. She was going to give a space. She, she gave you a goal. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I appreciated that in a way that I thought was, was charming. Right? Um, the rest of them, Haran and the Muse daughters and all of that, I, I, they just need to go. Like, I think we can get better. We can get better or develop better. And why we don't develop better talent is we only develop white talent because in order to be developed, you need to have gone to one of these suburban schools and get scouted out of, out of these like suburban travel leagues, which eat up a lot of time. What we need is like these Latin American, it's a global game. My, my uncle's from Ghana, right? So what we need are these like, to support these dads with daughters who can play ball and are willing to support the leagues that they're in and scout the leagues they're in and develop that talent from 10 on. And then we'll have a women's national team because the, even the men's national team is, isn't as white, right? Men's national team isn't particularly great, but it's not as white the u.s national team just loses leaves too much talent um either undeveloped or i actually think they develop with an eye towards marketing so at every point this is all kind of skewed towards who sells uh, merchandise so that's that's the problem with the women's national team in soccer so you get these like photogenic like I like Kelly, o I liked Kelly O'Hara five years ago. She was one of my players, but she lost a few steps. Like she's small back there, 
And so she needs to be that much, she needs to be very quick uh, as a defender, the size she is. She should have been cut. It's okay to cut. She had, Kelly O'Hara had a nice run. Like, there are other people who could take that job. Uh, Betty, Becky uh, Sodombrow, I, I, I imagine she's a pretty good team leader because she has kind of a kind of cerebral level head, but she was slow years ago and she hasn't gotten any faster, right? So I, there's someone else you can put on that, like in her spot. I don't, I think it's, and I've never been a huge fan of Megan Rapino. I, I, I think there are more, there should be, if there aren't more dangerous gold scorers, like we have a national problem and we need to make more dangerous goal scorers because I don't, I don't find her particularly, especially now, like I said, she lost a step. Um, I don't find her particularly creative and, and, and dangerous there. Uh, especially if you look back and you look back and you watch old Mia Hamm videos, like Mia Hamm, they, she was good. <laughs> uh, you don't see, I mean, good like I, her and Crystal Dunn, I guess, have seen something like it. Mia Hamm was good in a way um, that like nobody up front for the for the u.s national team now is good they can't move they're as clever with the ball they don't they don't pass as well they're not just she had it right so the women's national team i hope they i hope we redo how we think about how we pick women for that game because we have enough talent to consistently win the gold medal but we don't pick that talent for a variety of reasons all right let's go to track i love a thing moo I think Mo, I think Mo, I think Mo. Uh, I, I love all the women of that 4x400. Four four I'm like Jesus, I love them all. Uh, Dalila Muhammad, I think she might, she might even be, I can't, I can't pick favorites, I love them all. And, and you know it's bad when Allison Felix is the, like the last one I forget. It's like Allison Felix, ah. And Allison Felix is pretty cool, but compared to the other three, um, like I want my daughters to like be them for Halloween. We need to talk about like action figures and for that four by four team. Let me uh yeah we need to talk about action figures and <laughs> superhero cartoons where they train for the Olympics by day but then solve crime by night. I love all of them women um on the four by four women's uh team. I think Mo I'm gonna I get to spend the next you know, 10 years watching her just do her thing better than everybody who's ever done it. Another one comes from a family, got older brothers who are runners and uh, a little curious about the parents, but I suspect that there's an involved dad there. And, you know, one of the best, apparently one good way to create a violin prodigy is to have an older sibling who's very good at violin. So if you want to create your kids to be like classical music prodigies, uh, have two. <laughs> and then the second one has a chance. And I think Mo's got some older brothers who are pretty good. And same with uh, Sydney McLaughlin. Has some, uh, McLaughlin has some older brothers. And uh, has, yeah, and I, 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 I'm just really, I like watching them do the thing they do. Go on ahead. That's um, four by 100 is a race that we don't think about as a whole team, right? So China and Japan does very good, does very well on the four by 100, way faster um, than their individual like competitors combined. Whereas we think of it as a pickup game. Uh, we just pick the four fastest people who happen to be there in the four by 100. But the one four by 100, those three, those two or three handoffs for the baton. I remember I spent 15 years watching the US team, men's and women's just drop batons and pass out of lanes. So I've thought about this a lot. Those baton passes, I think we could pick up a fourth of a second on each baton pass if we train whole teams and not just pick the four fastest people who are there, right? So if at the Olympic trials or even before the trials, you pick your the, the number three, four, and five, three through three, four, five, six um, fastest people at the Olympic trials and say that's your relay team. They'll run all of the time trials and the semis and the finals. Um, 
the idea is that, well, no, the superstars from the other world will get us. I don't think so. I think you train them as a relay team and they go there with one job to win the team gold and you just train handoffs. I think you make up the time. You're going to have a problem with like the Usain Bolt um, and the killers on the last leg. But I don't think you'll have that big of a problem. I, and especially if you can make up, I think you can make up with a perfect taking advantage of the rolling start. If you just train them, this is your job as a team. You, you worry about nothing else except this team. I think you get your, I think you get your 0.4 seconds per handoff. That's a second and a half. Um, you just get through having clean handoffs because you've trained as a team. And I think that's worth it. I think that's worth it. And so we just need to think about, not so much a four by four, rethink about the four by four, but the four by one, just because it's so fast and such a technical, like people have gotten so fast. Like the bodies are so big and so fast and it's so technical that we just need to treat it as its own team event. That's distinct from the individual events. Um, so you got one and two go as individuals and three through six go as the U.S. men's relay team. And that's what they just, it, it's because it's so fast and so technical. Um, the baton. And maybe because we're so bad at it. Because right now, like I said, we, we take, we, we do pickup relays where we take the four fastest people there and just assume that they'll get the stick around without fumbling it. And we always kind of fumble it. Like, even when we, we always kind of fumble it. Even when we get the stick around, it's never like with the precision of the Chinese because we don't send relay teams over. We send our four fastest people and then they shake hands and then, and then uh, uh, run. Right? So that's what I think about uh, what we should do with track. It's funny that we're a middle distance nation, a women's middle distance nation. When I grew up, like we won the sprints unless like, we won the sprints <laughs> unless we dropped the baton. But now we're a middle distance nation and, uh, and that's just we, we're, we need to understand that. And a women's middle distance race. And we just need to express that. The best thing we could do, men, if you want to be an elite, you could be an elite coach of your daughter, which is because uh, the world hasn't caught up yet. Yet. And I think that's fine. And son, there's this guy, uh, the Arnold, the swimmer whose coach was, uh, the guy whose coach was his dad. So I don't know. I don't know. It's complicated. I do think that we have a, like, it's pretty good to be a dad of daughters now. I'm like that. As, and I'm, I happen to be one right now. And I think I, the future is looking pretty good for them. Um, if, you, if you take that seriously. If, if, if you, and I, since I like being, not only do I like being a dad, I think it's one of the most important things that I can do with my life. Um, I do take it seriously. So, uh, so what other sports? Badminton. It's so quick. I appreciate how quick it is. Uh, ping pong is a lot about table tennis. Is a lot about footwork. <laughs> people don't understand. Table tennis is about footwork. Table tennis is about footwork. So you'll find all these people with really great footwork who are pretty good at, at, at table tennis. Uh, I like volleyball. Um, I didn't really watch too much volleyball. Uh, I watched some beach volleyball, but for some reason I didn't watch too much um, um, indoor volleyball. I, I usually do. I appreciate it. Once again, that's one of those things where I think the women's game is a little bit more interesting. I don't know. It's, it, it is what it is. Uh, women's basketball. Well, the Brianna Stewart is uh, was an all-around good player in this game, and I I kind of have a slight affinity towards the Las Vegas Aces because uh, Aja Wilson I think is good. I think Plum Kelsey Plum was fantastic. She won a three on three, three v three, three x three. Uh, gold medal, Kelsey Plum. I didn't think she could go right, but she actually can go right. She's a left-hander who's money going left and creative, but she can do some hesitations and do some um, moves on the right. That's pretty good. She's no Mandy Moore. I, I, like, watching Mandy Moore last Olympics was like, wow, that was, that's, um, that's fantastic. So I like, I like Mandy Moore. Uh, oh, Maya Moore. Maya Moore. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, 
Sorry, Maya. Uh, if you watch it, Maya Moore, she was fantastic. So clever with the ball and like, and 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 just clever passing and clever moving. Like Maya Moore was fantastic. So I didn't, I don't get Maya Moore vibes from uh, uh, Kelsey Plum, but Kelsey Plum is really a straight up baller. She actually plays ball like my friend, who's now the head coach of UC Irvine. I went to high school with her, um, uh, Tamara Inaway. I remember watching 14, uh, in high school, watching Tamara Inouye play basketball. And that's, I mean, I've always kind of assumed that women can do everything that men could do. But like after watching Tamara play point guard for our women's, uh, our women's team in high school, I like the idea that women couldn't do anything that men could do was ridiculous because she was a great basketball player. Like you see, like, like might not be as big as the guys, but like absolutely as clever and interesting and um, everything that it takes to be a real basketball player, not a brute. Like it was obvious that Tamara had uh, on the basketball court. So, um, so yeah, now she's the head coach of UCI, UC Irvine basketball. And she's just, yeah. So yeah, I, I actually like, I like, watching women's basketball, I think the pacing of the game is a little bit more interesting. It's a little bit slower. So, um, I don't know, the, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more interesting. I think the team could have been a little bit cleaner, not the 3v3 team, the the five on five team, the full court team. Uh, I liked AJ Wilson, I liked Brianna Stewart, did a good job. Um, Sue Bird wasn't particularly, I found her more impressive the last few go-rounds. I hope her and Diana Tossi retire and open up. I wanted to see more, uh, I wanted to see other players. And, uh, but I'm glad they got the gold. And good for them. And that's, I think that's about it. That's all, you learned everything that I, you need to know about the Olympics from me. It's uh, I I want to I want that anthology of Olympic dads of female athletes because I have a feeling you'll find some interesting things. Probably Olympic dads of male athletes too. But I think with this generation, Olympic dads who just decided, all right, my daughter's going to be an Olympian, and I think you know I can put together a plan to make that work. Because I think no small number of these dads, like low key and maybe even high key, like thought that way and that's why their daughters are olympians which i think is pretty good for everyone so thank you for your time and i will see you oh what's her name the wrestler the ghanaian uh the wrestler lady oh mensa tamra mensa um tamra Mensa uh, stock. Mensa stock. Yeah. Like she is fantastic. She's fantastic. I, I liked everything about her. Uh, very good at it. Once another one who's like had an OBS dad. Uh, looks like he was gonna end with a name like Mensa. Yeah. Um, and he died early, as we do, but he died in a car crash. And I support and I hope I hope the I wish the best for her. I wish um you know another legacy family that uh we don't talk about the shot put. I want to say both the US shot putters the gold and silver were from legacy shot put families. Right? So there's generational knowledge that goes into being an elite athlete. Uh, I want to know what happened to the sons, of, besides Noah Lyles, what happened to the sons of all the people who were in the trials in the 70s and 80s? Um, are they, or even the 90s, like all those people who were in the Olympic trials? Because by the time you get to the Olympic trials, you've figured out some things about your sport. I will say a thing about triple jump. The triple jump record, the men's triple jump record, has been around since 95. I was a triple jumper, I want to say 44-11? 43, 11 and a half. It was a 21 and a half foot long jumper, 43, 11 and a half foot triple jumper. And uh, 
And, and so I, but I wasn't particularly fast or could jump very well. I, with the triple jump, I just kind of thought through it in a way that was, uh, I had a pretty good technique. And, uh, and the triple jump record is about 60 feet and it's been since 95. No one comes close. I'm not really impressed with anybody's technique. Clay's pretty good. He's a pretty good athlete. And like, he seems like a bright guy who's been studying this for a long time. I'm just surprised. Like, yeah, I'm just surprised that no one's actually, no one's as technically good as Jonathan Edwards was in 95. I'm just surprised. Even the woman who broke the women's triple jump record, I think that triple jump record is going to be broken again by somebody with better technique. The second phase was like, I, I yeah, this, um, so, I, so I have some problems with that. I do appreciate the uh, high jump gold medalists, the high jump gold medalists who decided that they were done jumping. And since they were both tied, they didn't want to do a jump off. We'll just both get golds. And they did it like champs. I actually appreciate that. Some people hated on them for that. I think the people who hated on them for that, like don't understand high jump. Look, high jump's one of those things. It's like, it only ends in failure. The meat's not over till you screwed up three times. And so it gives you kind of like a very mature attitude about life because you've had to knock down the bar three times. So they've taken hard jumps. Their legs were tired. They weren't going to go any higher. They didn't want to go to a jump off and then, and then have to like lower the bar, keep lowering the bar. And so they, uh, they just said, the, the, <laughs> the guy from Bahrain, I think, just said like, all right, so either we go to a jump off or we can just both get gold medals. And the judge was like, well, I think. And <laughs> the guy from Bahrain was like, yeah, let's just do the, the gold medals. Like, let's... Pff. Easiest decision I made in my life. So um, they both get gold medals. And I think that's like, go on ahead. Good for you for having the presence of mind and knowing yourself and not being some man's boy. Um, so I got a kick out of that. And I, I appreciate that as just like, yeah, I'll take the gold medal. Um, let's, let's call it a wrap. Go home while I still have my back. All right. So. Thank you for your time, and I'll see you. This was a bonus show. I'll see you in a few hours um, when I'm going to talk about something completely different. I'm going to talk about uh, I'm gonna, uh, talk about something completely different. It'll be a good show. Peace. Oh, by the way, if you like anything I'm doing, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com. Kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars um, a month, and that will help me keep it going and grow this program and the budget and all that stuff.